Get ready for a little surf and turf action on Midnight Run Through, a podcast miniseries devoted to celebrating the 1988 contemporary classic action buddy comedy Midnight Run, written by George Gallo and directed by Martin Brest. Co-hosted by me, One Heat Minute Productions' Blake Howard. And me, Jen Johans from Watch With Jen. Each week, we'll explore the film we first bonded over when we became friends in 2019 by surfing through an incredible roster of guests from journalists to novelists and beyond who love it as much as we do. Digging into Serrano's finances and Alonzo Mosley's FBI files, come with us on Midnight Run Through as we crisscross the United States with the characters played by Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, John Ashton, Yafet Kodo, Dennis Farina, Philip Baker Hall, Joe Pantoliano, and company on screen. Today... Our guests are. My name is Clay Keller. I am the host and producer of Screen Drafts podcast. Uh, and I love Midnight Run. That was like a Conan O'Brien needs a friend introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I feel ecstatic about Midnight Run. My name is Brian Cogman. I'm a writer and producer of television and film. And I'm thrilled to be here to talk about one of my favorite movies, Midnight Run. But before we go any further, let's kick things off with Jack Welch's Old Turf with the ultimate question. Why were you so unpopular with the Chicago Police Department? Today, Jen, we're so lucky. We've got the two emotions represented. We've got silence and we've got rage. Brian Cogman <laughs> and Katie Clay Keller talking to us about Midnight Run. Gentlemen, thank you so Wait, much. Wait, am, am I rage? Am I rage? <laughs> Both silence. Both silence and rage. No, we're, we're both I mean, silence and rage. Oh, we're both? <laughs> you're, bo you're both like silence and rage. Um, I think if anyone has heard uh, Brian's phenomenal suite of uh, screen drafts, uh, he, can, he can get into rage and he can, uh, he can get Never. into rage. Never. I, I am a measured and <laughs> even-keeled player. Right. Mm-hmm. You have I'm, no opinions I, I about don't. how to define screwball comedy. Oh, don't yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> I don't I don't curse. Is Midnight Run a screwball comedy, Brian? Mm. No. If they no. were rom if they were romantic. <laughs> no. If it maybe. were if yeah, yeah. Although it is a, a bromance. Little it happened it one a night. Bromance. A little bit. It is it is a little it happened one night and it, you know what I kept it is, watching actually. it this morning. Uh I rewatched some parts of it. I watched it last night and rewatched some parts of it this morning. And it, it does kind of have a definite, as Jen, as you said, like a, a 30s, 40s uh, kind of not not screwball comedy. I don't want Brian to scream at me because no. there's not a romantic angle. But um, uh, the way that the characters keep running into each other constantly every 10 minutes throughout the movie oh, yeah. has a very like um, kind of it's kind of screwball, -y, but like comedy of errors, but like out in the Southwest kind of thing where they just every time they turn a corner they've run into every other character in the movie i thought it's very like the coincidences rack up in a way that don't make you go like okay this stretches credulity it's just kind of like you're delighted every time it amps up uh, well, and you're like oh there ah john ashton's there again well it's great <laughs> because they, they what's funny is, is a lot of times it's not coincidences it's that like the screenplay is so deftly right. george gallo's screenplay is so deftly structured that that they they all have they're all they all have their own reasons for being there and they're all they're all generally from the mobsters to the bounty hunters to the cops they're all generally pretty good at their jobs i mean they make mistakes here and there and they're out they're really by good other. at finding people all of but them yeah, are extremely good at finding people. they know what they're doing you know they're they're, they're good at following the clues and you know yeah uh, I to their I logical conclusions. I still can't get over how good. I mean, I know that everyone takes the Mickey out of Marvin, right? Um, Marvin's pretty good. It, yeah. Marvin knows what's up. When Marvin calls the bank and fakes the name and says, "You better cancel that car," I'm like, "That that's obviously the procedural element of this movie is something that I'm still in awe of as like a you know Manny Fava termite art guy because I just don't think they showed the realist like even just like picking locks. Starting oh, yeah, the, cars, the, the, the process, all, yeah. all the process porn in this movie is so fantastic. But I, I love that he's just like, oh yeah, no, you better cancel that card, or this has been used here, or this phone call here, and this person might be here. I just, I love all of that because it, again, it does it draw. There's no contrivance. It's so fun. Like when 
Jack and the Duke are together with more on number one and two in the alleyway. And then Marvin rolls up like, that's so joyful. It's like, yes, yeah. Marvin's here. It's like, I can't wait. It's so good. Yeah. It's And of course, Marvin's there. And none of the 4,000 FBI agents led by Alonzo Mosley are <laughs> right. there. Because they are the least good at their jobs, the, <laughs> yeah. the feds. Yeah, I love that Marvin has Jack's credit card just in case he needs to cancel it. <laughs> yes. Like, it's, like, that's great. He's like, this is his rival. He, he only pulls it out for... And he's got Special it memorized. Occasions. Yeah. It's fucking great. It's got De Niro's credit card number memorized. Does he? I thought he had it written down on a little pad. Oh, does he? It, oh, he's just oh, no, it might be in his notebook. But yeah, he's, I think like, he's he got a little his, baby. He knows his full name. He's he knows got a little company. notebook and he's, yeah, because he's pretty good at his job, but he's not as good as Jack. Like, so in at certain points, like there's little details. I mean, we're jumping around here, but little details where, you know, um, when Joe Pantoliano's character uh, brings... Mar- Marvin onto the job and he's like well you've heard of the Duke right and Marvin's like no I don't know who he is because he doesn't read the paper he doesn't he doesn't keep up on things the way you know a better bounty hunter Jack Walsh does so that, there's just great little consistent kind of character details throughout with every character in this movie it's one of the yeah. many reasons it's so great when you get when you get back to it Clay as you were describing you know, you watched the movie last night and then you watched those, you were cherry picking some scenes this morning before we talked. What are those scenes that you have to go back and watch again? Like once you're reminded of how great Midnight Run is, like what are those scenes that you're like, oh my God, I have to watch that again because I can't believe how good it is. Well, the thing I wanted to revisit specifically was the airport scene at the end uh, where De Niro Mm. and Farina finally have their scene together. Mm -hmm. Jack. Long time no see. Long time no see. Yeah. I see you're still spending all your money on clothes. Huh? Well, you know. Listen, well, you're in town. If you want to go see a show, you want a free meal or something like that, you just let me know, all right? On me. This type of guy I am. You're a real sport. Yeah. Just give him the discs. How's your mother? She's all right. Daughter's getting big, everything, growing up. You know, I was I was thinking maybe if we would have done business way back when, you wouldn't look like a guy with a fucking cup in your hand. Trying to make a living. Yeah. Listen, Jack, you got uh, those discs, or did you uh, lose them like you lost your job? Give him the discs, boss. Well, I see you, but I don't see the Duke. We'll worry about him in a minute. Oh, we got to worry about him now. Let me tell you something, Jimmy. This isn't the reunion. If I don't see the Duke in about five seconds, I'm walking. You know, you're still way too serious, really. Listen, why don't you just hand over the tapes? We'll take a walk, we'll go get the guy together. What do you say? Fuck you, I'll see you at the arraignment. Hey, Jack. Jack! Hey! Where the hell is he going? You win, all right? What? You won. What do you want me to do, yell it all over this fucking airport? Where is he? He's on his way. You know, I said no goons. Never mind him. You're going to get what you want, and I just tell you that. This thing is going to give me a heart attack before it's all over. I'm currently, I know I'm going to get a heart attack. Since we have this moment to share together, there's something I've been meaning to ask you. Doesn't it bother you that another copper is fucking your wife? You know, they made this guy a captain. Can you imagine that? We'll figure it out. Made him a captain. Uh, because I just, they, the, the, and it's this Farida had not what he started acting with thief. Is that right? Or he uh, he had only yeah. been Michael around Mann, for yeah Michael Mann because he was a cop Chicago cop and partner yeah. to Charlie Adamson the 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 lead detective who killed the real Neil McCauley who's like right. and actually yeah and was the inciting incident if you like of Michael Mann's you know thirty to forty year odyssey of hate was uh, he was his partner and he plays just a 
a hood, just like in all of Thief. It's it's cops play crooks and criminals play cops in that movie. So yeah, that's like his first yeah. thing. And then his next big thing after that is obviously Manhunter, where he plays Jack Crawford. So like it's pretty. Yeah, right. that, that's that's the. So he the had lineage. quite an like an ascension there, coming off of <laughs> not being an actor, and then to hear like three four years later, going toe to toe with uh, De Niro, and I just think those yeah. guys. Those guys are, and you know, I'm sure, um, Blake, you and and Jen, I know this is, you know, kind of uh, your your wheelhouse too. This this type of actor, but we just don't have these guys anymore at all. Uh, we don't have like we don't have these guys who you just kind of we can just look at their faces, mm-hmm. but they open their mouths and you're like, this is a guy who came from a place. This is yep. a guy. <laughs> yes. Yep came from Chicago. He is from the streets of Chicago. You look at De Niro, you're like, this guy is, you know, fucking New York City through and through. Mm-hmm. And they're just mm-hmm. throwing these energies at each other. And it's just so potent. And neither of them are, I mean, Farina's have a little fun with this role. He's gesticulating. He's kind of leaning yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, De Niro, as, as ever, at least at this era, like the fun is that he is just, He's playing it. I mean, he is underplaying it and letting little little bits crack through, which is what Groden's doing too, which is what makes it so grounded and keeps a you know believable drama. And it's not kind of a kooky movie, even though so many crazy things happen. But that scene with uh, Farina and and De Niro is just so it's just crackling. And I just love yeah. there's like menace. Uh, Farina does menace so well, and mm-hmm. De, De Niro is just you're you know, playing it cool. And, and, but the whole thing is, so they keep cutting to Alonzo and he's freaking out. And then John Ashton comes in, you've got all these moving pieces and you're wondering how it's going to, you know, explode, but it's, that's, that's a great sequence. That's probably like, I love, I love, I love Groden. I love De Niro together. Everybody's favorite scenes, the, the, the con with the, uh, the litmus test twenties, the litmus <laughs> test scene and all that stuff. Um, and I love the end too. The last like 20 minutes, the last scene at the airport mm-hmm. where uh, he lets him go and he gives him the money. All that stuff is just really, really charming. But that scene with, with, with Farina, I think is probably my favorite scene in the movie. I love that there isn't like a physical confrontation. He doesn't chase him mm-hmm. down and shoot him or what you would expect in the eighties. Like he walks over, you're right. under arrest. And you know, you, you weren't <laughs> yep. expecting that necessarily. I love that. Yeah, and it's a great line delivery. And I love the way yeah. that is that scene is is blocked too, because my common complaint with movies now is that directors never do blocking and every scene of dialogue is just people sitting or standing mm-hmm. in one place and just cutting back and yep. forth, doing over yep. the shoulders and it drives me nuts. But this one, it's so great because these are two guys, they're meeting in this public place and they're trying not to draw attention to each other. So they have this intense conversation completely still trying to not look conspicuous mm. surrounded by people and we've got like the god's eye up with uh with uh, the fbi guys and alonzo and looking down i think it's the perfect use of stationary blocking <laughs> in this scene which is something i generally uh, am really sick of but and because the whole movie we've been moving and moving and moving and moving and moving really? and the big climactic like suspense scene yes is the two guys standing completely still trying not to move um I yeah, and they've been building up. They've been building yeah. up this this backstory about Serrano and Walsh, you know, so, so so beautifully laid out. Like all the reveals about when you find out, you know, the nature right. of De Niro's history with him. So there's a there's a great emotional, you know, uh, tension in this scene as well. And then the fact that at this point he really genuinely cares about Mardukas and is trying to save his life. You know, so there's it, it. Yeah, it's 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 a brilliantly staged sequence, and and all of that great character work that's been just so deftly, you know, uh, doled out throughout the movie, just kind of all comes to a head. So that you don't need yeah. a big, you you don't need a big histrionic action sequence because, you know, you're you're you care so much about these characters that it's enough to to hang right. the climax of your movie on. And you well, had the big he, explosion yeah. with the helicopter, yeah. like you got that already. Jack- you know? He killed a helicopter with like a nine millimeter. Like it's, <laughs> we had, we've had crazy action scenes throughout the the middle we of the movie. We used to be a culture, yeah. You know, we used to be a culture. We, we used to be a culture <laughs> because you know that the most exciting thing that can happen in this movie is that you, in a satisfying way, 
bring these characters all together finally and have a conclusion mm-hmm. to these character arcs it's not going to be like how do we one up and one up and one up and one up in a like a, in terms of explosions and yeah. i misspoke earlier that all of the characters run into each other in 15 minutes that's not true it's this this great build of two two pairs of there's what there's like four or five kind of parallel right. groups going at the, the whole time and they will be like two of them run into each other or three of them run yep. into each other then the pairing switch and then alonzo runs into uh john ashton and then john ashton later runs into and this is the first time yeah every single thing yeah, everything's there yeah yeah comes together uh and it's uh it's thrillingly constructed as brian said the screenplay is phenomenal yeah if, if i were ever to teach screenwriting this would be the screenplay I would teach. I think it is a wow. perfect screenplay. And I know that there was probably a degree of improvisation baked in with the two handers between Gruden and, and De Niro. Um, but, uh, and I think Gallo has, has said as much, but, but um, so maybe not every single piece of dialogue is exactly from Gallo, but the, yeah, the construction of it, the, the, the little, the little care. I mean, from the very first scene, he's De Niro's trying to, you know, see if his watch is keeping time. Like yes. all of these beautiful little, little details that are seated throughout. And it's so, and, and, and this speaks to, you know, Martin Brest and his, um, his amazing, uh, ability as a director. Uh, it, it's all, it's all so beautifully constructed and you don't notice the construction at all. It's just, it's, it feels effortless, which is probably why, you know, this movie's always been, I think, well-regarded, but it's, it doesn't, I think it's a movie that makes its genius look so easy that people forget yeah. that it's actually right. a masterpiece. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's my it's my third favorite movie of all time. I've probably Whoa. seen it. Yeah, I mean, I it, this is the movie along with the Adventures of Robin Hood uh, with Errol Flynn, which I've talked about many times on podcasts. Um, these are the two; those are the two movies I will throw on, and my mood will lift. That's it. from the second the little <laughs> like yeah. comes on a score in the history of movies. I am done i'm like i'm going to i'm going to be happy i'm gonna and and you know that's yeah this is a this is a this is a, 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 a in many ways a thriller with a lot of dark shit in it but it's so um it's it's balance its tone is so beautifully calibrated it's never too goofy but also never too scary and too violent like it just right. it's that sweet spot that very 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 few movies in general do anymore well, you know? not comedies, certainly. Certainly I not mean, comedies. No. There was a point. There was a point in the early two thousands where, from that point on, uh, no character in any comedy seemed like a real human being ever again. <laughs> right now, hundred percent. And 100%. this is that's what I love about this. I mean, I think this movie is probably the best example of this thing that I love from the seventies and and eighties. And is a comedy didn't mean doesn't mean. Um, goofy non sequiturs and constant like wacky mm-hmm. lines and the silliest stuff you can come up with uh, all the time. It just is about that tone, like you said, Brian. It can, mm-hmm. it is, it is a drama as a baseline, and mm-hmm. then the situations and the things are just dialed up a little bit, and it's the music and it's the performances and it's the tone of it. Because this movie has almost no like jokes, really. No. There mm-hmm. are. They're very, I mean, very funny the, situations. The, the, yeah, this like it's more that how people are reacting to certain situations. Like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. seeing that Jen and I love like mm-hmm. when Alonzo first meets Jack, and Jack just <laughs> completely ignores every word that is coming out of his mouth, and he just puts his sunglasses on and starts <laughs> yes, like yeah. like that's hilarious because he's like, oh, oh, it's so much funnier if I just ignore you. Like I'm not intimidated yeah. by you at all. And right. like, I think that pairs perfectly with the scene that you talked about earlier, Clay, your favorite scene in the airport is like, it's like, you've got a guy who's like really blustery and like this sort of faux intimidating. And then you've got someone like Dennis Farina who you actually can feel the electricity coming out of your television well, or your projector mm-hmm. where you're like, Oh, he could, he, he just has to whisper to you and you yeah. think I'm going to die. You're like, Oh, he's going to kill me. Or he's going to And right something. before that scene, I mean, they set this up where Farina throughout the movie, he is, he's like gesticulating, like, yeah, give me this guy. And you're like, okay, he's kind of a, of a cartoon. Yeah. They want a, an over the top, you know, mob. Antagonist. Yeah. And then yeah. he sits down in the car, like he said, and he stares, looks him in the face and is like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go home and I'm going to kill your wife. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now there's like, yeah, there's the stakes got upped a little bit here. This is, this is, yeah, this you is under, the real thing. You understand at this point, just what 
everybody's up against and why why Groden has been frightened for his life Mm -hmm. you know it's one thing to be like well I'll be killed in prison I'll be killed in prison but you're absolutely right that scene right when it needs to that's the thing all of these scenes everything is accomplished exactly when the movie needs it to be accomplished it's so every time I watch it I just marvel at that you know um, not too where, soon, because if and Farina not and not had been, if, if Farina had looked Groden in the face and said, when I get you, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill your wife at the beginning of the movie, yeah. I yeah. think it would have put a little bit of a pall over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It would have made the jauntiness yep. feel uh, uh, at, in, in conflict with the, the stakes instead of yep. like feeding each other really nicely. Oh, or the backstory with the drugs being planted at De Niro's and why he was mm-hmm. chased out of Chicago. Like if they would right. have established that right away, like he's a bounty hunter because he was a cop and this happened, it would be a whole different movie. Yeah. yeah. Why are you so unpopular with the Chicago Police Department? Why, 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 I, why, I, I've yeah. got to get a t-shirt that says that. Why are you so yeah. popular with the Chicago Police Department? <laughs> and, and what's great about the way all of this exposition is doled out too, like it's amazing because you get all of this, most of this information you get, you get a little bit, you get just enough at the beginning to know that he was once a cop and he wants out. And, and, but you really get most of the information when, um, when uh, Mardukas gets it in the course right. of them getting to know each other and talking to each other about, uh, uh, about themselves. And again, all of this is built into character because the Duke is a fascinating character who also you you learn so much about him and actually how smart he is he seems right. like this hapless buffoon until you realize oh he faked the the fear of flying uh and oh the, lit, but, the litmus yeah. configuration and when he when he yeah. all of it yeah of like he's he's, you're a, just he's like, a genius and this is how you, re- you realize he stayed a step ahead of all these guys but in terms of getting the information out of de niro about his past mardukas and groden are established as first kind of deeply empathetic and curious people yeah but also there might be a little bit of method to his madness like he's asking him questions about himself he's sensing a vulnerability in jack because it's a way to get jack close to him and a way to get jack to like him so that jack lets his guard down and he can maybe get away yeah but yet he also is an empathetic person who truly does begin to care about him right so it's 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 very deft and it's it's never um ever spelled out for you what he's doing and it's the kind of thing that you only kind of notice in some cases in multiple viewings but and it also is a way for the screenwriter to get the backstory out in a way that feels organic Uh, you know what i'm noticing brian uh you've got this midnight run poster Mm. over your left shoulder there indeed blake has this uh mission impossible dead reckoning part one poster behind his head there uh Mm. these are the same movie (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh sure there yeah. there's a lot of midnight run in mission impossible dead record absolutely yeah there, the structure is very similar like shea wiggum is mosley oh, yeah, like exactly. they are it really is them <laughs> oh my god constantly that's funny. in airports or running around with near misses and escapes <laughs> and tom cruise is trying she, to she's stop trying to get away Elmo. she's constantly yeah, trying yeah. to escape from him Isai Morales anyway, that was dressed by Dennis Farina's costume designer. Right. <laughs> like sure. It's, it's John Ashton is the entity. <laughs> yeah, John, right. The entity sees all, knows all. That's funny. Well, a lot of movies, I mean, have chased this one. And and they and they've never really they still uh, never gotten it right. I mean, to, to what we were talking about earlier about recent about modern day comedies. I mean, if someone were to try to remake this today or or movies that come out and they say, well, our biggest template was Midnight Run. And then you watch the movie and you think, well, like, how so? That's the because, great. That's the greatest you know, flaw. It's whenever it's I'm starting to hear it in a lot of um, especially in new movies. As soon as someone's like the biggest trap, people are like our biggest influence was hate. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> Was oh yeah, it's a I'm like, oh, fantastic! I can't wait to see then. how you misinterpreted heat again. Right, right. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm sure it's not going to take three or four stars off of your ultimate score. Yeah, and that's how this is ultimately. Like Mark Dukas now would be an over the top buffoon. Yes, um, he, he would be. He would be a uh, Zach Galifianakis in that movie with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Where they what have a road that? trip. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. due date. Due date. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I'm sure they thought Midnight Run was a big influence. Yeah, yep. Midnight Run and, and, and uh, press planes, releases. trains, and automobiles. And that's the thing. We're, yeah. and I know we're not talking about planes, trains, and automobiles, although I imagine it'll come up uh, in more than one of these conversations you guys have, mm-hmm. Blake and Jen. Yes. Because uh, this is the year 
after Bef- two two years after before. this is 88 i always this thought this was earlier this is 88 isn't planes trains 87 i thought i so. think oh it could be oh you're right. maybe you're right yeah yeah you're right 87 right. there where john yeah. candy is uh playing it both both martin and candy are playing it much bigger than uh de niro and grodinar in this mm. movie even then by compared to today's standards those guys oh. look like the most believable, authentic human beings you've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, um, yeah. And there just there is something to that. And I just you know I do I love. Uh, I was reading, and by I was reading, I mean I scrolled the IMDb trivia quickly. So you know, take this with uh, a pound of salt. <laughs> but that um, uh, uh, Yafakoto didn't know, and maybe this is just because of how his scenes are played, how he played his character. He didn't really know if it was a comedy or a drama at at any point and his Mm. great quote and since i I hope this is a true quote from the imdb trivia uh, that they pulled from somewhere um but that uh he thought it was a drama with some comedy and then we saw the movie the the stuff he thought was going to be funny was funny and the thought stuff he thought was going to be dramatic was even funnier than the funny (laughs) (laughs) um and and that's the way and he plays it that way and i think that really is a great flavor for the, the the movie i mean he is brings a great energy to this but i love that there's no there's no uh g- g- jokes there's no, no. one-liners there's no mm-hmm. over-the-top absurdly comedic like i said there's no scene where they have to go in and like you know what this is 88 so like Gro- groden has to be in you know dress like a woman or something like there's right, right, no right. like <laughs> yeah. super 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 dialed up crazy shit it's all grounded in in the setting too i love how uh, the way they use the Southwest is is so great. The, lo- it was such the a, location work throughout this thing is phenomenal. Look, it's such mm-hmm. a place you're not expecting to see De Niro. I like they take yeah. De Niro, who yeah. is the epitome of, you know, I guess I said earlier, street from, yeah. like, he didn't see the sun until he was, you know, <laughs> 30 years old. He was always <laughs> in the shadow of a fucking building. And now he's out in the desert. And I don't, I don't know his filmography of in the mid eighties off the top of my head, but I feel like it's, it was unusual to see him not in an urban situation. Oh, I, I, probably. It absolutely was. And it absolutely would have been in the eighties and it would have been unusual to see him in something. I mean, he went on to make a ton of comedies. Right. Mm-hmm. Post meet the parents, but very rare to see him in something this comparatively lighthearted. You yeah. Know, in yeah. Yeah. He was making the mission and yes. falling in yeah. love and a little heavier stuff. Yeah. Sort of comedy and, you know, good just the next year. But, yeah. Yeah. So this, but, but what's so funny is, and this is something I really noticed because, you know, when you we were emailing about this, um, about doing this, like, I think you mentioned, like, maybe, you know, maybe think about who your favorite character is. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to watch this and think, who's my favorite character. And by the end, I was like, well, my favorite character is Jack Walsh. I think Jack <laughs> Walsh is, is a, is a movie hero for the ages. And that performance, again, he, he it's so low key and so seemingly effortless that you don't quite understand kind of how brilliant, I think it's one of De Niro's best performances in general. It's And it's because he keeps it kind of lighthearted. A lot of the source of the comedy is is jack like he, it's it's not just it's not just groden being silly and him right. rolling his eyes and playing straight man like jack keeps things light jack's fucking with the cops he gets the badge and he does that thing where he flashes the camera <laughs> like he's yeah. he's uh, ultimate like you know he's 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 got problems and he's unhappy in his work but he's he's also kind of it reminded me a lot of paul newman's performance uh in the uh the noir movie harper Love a little hop, bit, where, yeah. yeah love you, you know, where it's like he he keeps it light. He tries to stay happy in his work. He, he likes he likes the he's good at his job and 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 he's creative and he's you know yeah um and 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 that and so the the whole movie and I and indeed I think the whole cast and I'm sure Brest when he was you know compiling it, I think it takes a lot of cues from De Niro's kind of bearing in the movie if that makes sense yes yeah because there's a version of this where he's just way too grumpy and hard-edged um Mm -hmm. or they give him a backstory that's more tragic that that overwhelms the movie um which they would do today which they absolutely would do today um well that actually reminds me of my favorite scene and, and my favorite scene in the movie and it's the one that pops in my head when i think about what a brilliant screenplay this is is the scene where they go back to the family home yeah yes um that scene and i think are you in the eighth grade is one of my favorite de niro yes. acting that is up there with anything he did in raging bull 
Um, yeah. That's the only thing he says to her. He says, are you in the eighth grade? And they just look at each other for about 15, 20 seconds while all the mom's in there. They don't try to talk because what else, what are you going to say? There's nothing mm-hmm. to say. It's, and the little girl, Danielle, I think her name is Danielle Dublo or something or Dublo, um, who I don't think has done, did that many other movies. She's incredible, but it's such a be- beautiful scene in that it's not overwritten. Uh, it's, it's, it's full not of tears. over. No. Yeah, yeah, it's not full of tears. It's it's it, and it feels absolutely perfect and authentic. And also, Wendy Wendy Phillips, who plays um his ex wife, uh, it, it it that that scene could have gone really maudlin or or and 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 it's just sad enough. Um, it's all and, in his and it really it's informs it. It's all in his pitch. It's all in his pitch. Yeah. I love it. Everyone looks real. The house looks real. It isn't overdone. They don't have like a sitcom wife style babe playing the. I mean, she's perfect. She She looks looks like like a a Chicago cop's wife. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Like a woman you know. Yep. Everybody in this movie looks like people you would know. Like everybody. It's amazing. Well, and that's just a, you know, that's great. That's great casting. But I also just think that's, that's the era is they just. Yeah. Again, up until the '90s, they were they wanted uh, authenticity to some extent in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I look, I I'm not, you know, I love the the the, the '90s era as well. But Clay is so a I huge love... fan of contemporary Marvel cinema. He's yeah. just <laughs> out like, he loves it all. But like no, the waitress in the diner who talks to tells him about chorizo and toast. She's yes. just what's chorizo? Yeah, what but, yeah, it's a it's a Spanish style sauce. That might be uh, oh, my so favorite Grodin. My favorite Groden thing uh, is the teeth is the 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 line delivery of he asks how much the coffee is, asks how much the tea is. Yeah, how much coffee? Fifty three cents. And then he thinks for ten seconds. (laughs) Tea. What can I do for you, boys? Coffee, please. How much is the coffee? It's fifty three cents. How much is tea? Fifty three cents. Okay, and our breakfast special today is chorizo and eggs. Chorizo and eggs? Chorizo and eggs. What is that, please? It's a Mexican sausage mixed in with scrambled eggs, and it comes with hash browns and toast. I won't be having that. Thank you. Like, it's just... (laughs) But that's the... That's what's so nimble about... uh, Brian, back to what you were saying about... the calibration of of De Niro's performance and I think that's what's so brilliant about um Grodin too because you could have had somebody like a um like a Robin Williams or something at this time mm. in this role who is going to be kooky and then force De Niro to be the straight man at all times and yep. Grodin is so fun because he said he is a little silly but but not really like every no. time I watch this movie I remember how not dialed up and how not kooky and quirky Grodin is like he, he there's half the scenes he's the straight man and De Niro Absolutely. is the one who's kind of like spinning out and I love that they can trade that power in the scenes back and forth mm-hmm. uh throughout this movie uh because it keeps the audience on their toes but it also just makes it more interesting and less predictable and uh uh yeah Grodin's performance is is fascinating to me in yeah. this yeah. movie and i don't know if it's just a thing where just that's kind of how groden is and it was just brilliant casting like they just cast the absolute right guy for mm-hmm. to make this a unique movie or if he was putting a lot of work into it i don't know but it's yeah groden in this movie is kind of a singular i don't know if i've ever seen a guy like i've seen a guy and de niro's played him but i've seen a guy like jack walsh in other movies and de niro does it really 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 well and in an interesting different way yeah. i don't know if i've ever seen a guy <laughs> No, he's Duke he's in another movie. Mardukas is one of the most unusual, yeah, unique. Characters. He had to keep auditioning and keep doing improv with uh, De Niro, like in rooms, just to see how they played off of each other. But I love what you guys were saying about De Niro and the levity and not overplaying it. I think a lot of that might also come from coming after Beverly Hills Cop because mm. I'm a huge fan of that movie. I actually prefer it to 48 Hours. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> I love the film. And when you watch it, you you might remember it as oh, it's just Eddie Murphy being hilarious in every scene, and he is hilarious. But he's also he's a damn good cop, and he's yeah. on top of things, and he's very serious and very intense in moments. And sometimes the stuff he's saying doesn't 
seem like it would be a joke, but it's the way he mm-hmm. punches it. And so I think that's Martin Brest and also um, maybe what he wanted with De Niro a little bit. De Niro is not Eddie Murphy. He's not going for those types of scenes, you know, like, you know, Michael Jackson can sit on top of the world. We don't have those kind of monologues in this movie, right. but um, a little bit of that, like, you know, procedure porn was also in Beverly Hills Cop and just somebody being quick and good at their job yeah yeah I love it when people are good at their job and doing a job in movies I, I don't know why yeah. I find that I don't, I don't know why I love that so much but I love this he, I love this idea that he's a former cop he's got his contacts you know in the in the local precincts like there's a procedure to what he does and mm-hmm. and um that's just so fun to that's just so fun so fun to see you know and, and you don't it's, see that sort of thing anymore it's usually elided you know it's it's yeah. the phenomena that I call chefs do that from a long kiss goodnight chefs do that um, <laughs> right, it's, right, just, right. it's just a joyful thing that someone doing something awesome in a movie you're like yep that's good that's really uh, chefs do that mm-hmm. it's great um but no i clay just to jump back onto Grodin, uh working on another project that is kicking around in the one heat minute productions sort of uh whiteboard at the moment factory if you like um is a rule that I have now, which is if you can act brilliantly across from a Muppet, you're all time. Yeah. Oh, sure. And he's yeah. the greatest. <clears throat> and Grodin and Miss Piggy. Ugh. I'm like chemistry for days. Uh, so like, funny. And like he's so funny. And it's just like that's where and I he, think and he plays st- it so straight in that movie. And mm-hmm. just so like, and so like Miss Piggy, alluring. don't put a door, don't put a door between us. Forgive me, Miss Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me, Miss Piggy. <laughs> it's just like you are so much better than just the average actor at that point when you can be yeah. that serious that it's like everything that he does in this movie, it is no surprise. It's a level of genius that you're just like, oh, yes. he's just He's operating on a whole new level. We'll be back after this quick break. That one segment where they're on the, at that point, I think they're on a bus together is very clearly, it's the most very clearly like they they just told Groden to just, keep talking and improv and you see De Niro break actually yes. he starts laughing and goes this fucking guy like you see <laughs> yes. you see that you, that's the one time where I'm like ah, I think that's De Niro <laughs> the, the act the, the human actor breaking but then just you know, but recovering and using it in the scene it must have just been so much fun mm-hmm. um the, t- the two of them clearly had a lot of fun together um even with all the the crazy stuff that they that they put them through yeah um but but yeah and so it, it like most buddy comedies most buddy comedies you sort of the, the the formula works so well that a lot of buddy comedies don't do the actual work of convincingly making them buddies by the yes. end yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and even this at the end like sure they're buddies they're not best friends they're not gonna ever see each other again no. you know they no. they they but they have a they, they, but they've had this experience together, and that 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 final scene where he gives him the money is just kind of moving, uh, yeah. yeah, very moving. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, it's it's like, and the movie's so smart because he gives him the money, and it's so beautiful and so sweet. And Tibera walks out to a cabbie and goes, "Got change for a <laughs> change for a, yeah, change for a thousand, He's like, "Get out of here!" He's like, "Well, yeah, well, yeah, looks like I'm walking." Is <laughs> yes, I mean, no. but that the best last well, that's my favorite last line of any movie. I mean, but also this is actually, I mean, it's it's so sweet and so funny as Blake was saying. This is actually the darkest ending of maybe any movie I've ever seen, having to try and walk out of Los Angeles International Airport to somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's like walking into Mordor. That's like, that's... That, oh, my God. That's well, a worse than death. I, I, can, actually, I, can ag- I can agree. As an Australian who is most recent international trip, I had to walk even from domestic international terminal to domestic i was like this is mordor right now there's yeah. lots of work happening there and this was 1988 it was even worse in that area back then probably no, bad news. now yeah that, and it's funny you mentioned i mean i mean I, I, this is like the you know 200th time i've watched this but i watched it again yesterday and for the first time i thought to myself well you know this ending it's a yeah it's a happy ending but there's a bit of melancholy to it i mean 
you know, Mardukas is always going to be on the run. He's a fugitive. Still. He's a fugitive. Um, Serrano is in prison, but very much still a danger to both yeah. Duke and Walsh. Um, I mean, he says like, we'll catch up again sometime. Like that's not over between them. Mm-mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, and as, and as the Duke says, restaurants are a very r- risky investment oh. and most of them go under. Uh, yeah. So the, what's nice about the ending is it, it wraps everything up and you feel good at the end, right. but it, it's not an ending that uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's still got a little bit of that melancholy and darkness and uncertainty that sort of, you know, makes the movie right. feel well, like it has real stakes. You know, right, they needed to Realism. leave. They needed to leave op- open plot doors for the three st- for the three, three television to, the three straight to video <laughs> Christopher, Christopher McDonald, McDonald. film, yes. which I've never, I've never, been I've able never to seen bring either. I like watch. Christopher McDonald. I like him I too, but I'm not. I don't know. One. It yeah, was I don't want to do it. An experience. See, this is actually <laughs> yeah. the benefit of Australia nope. not having access to things. Is that, that I don't think they ever came. If they came to Australia, they were shown on broadcast television at midnight, and yeah. I think I would have to find someone who has a VHS tape that probably still had the ads in the recording. If I was going to yeah. find it in Australia, I mean, I'd they're think. on DVD. Yeah, they're on DVD. I bought I... the DVD um, that had all of them when we were. <laughs> Sorry, Blake, them. you can watch these. Yeah. Oh, I will be you sending you were free it to Australia. It. No, I'm just kidding. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have mean, this I, address. Yeah, I think they were meant to be. I think they were meant to maybe springboard a series. A and... series, because two of them are the same year. No, they're all three of them are the same year. Yeah, because back then what they would <laughs> they do made is them they, in a they... Week. Yeah, I mean you're right though, Jen. They they would just go and they'd shoot these things kind yeah. of as one big production and kind of dole them out. You know, it uh, Clay, it's like that uh, Ipcris file pair of. Mm. Sequels, oh, the TV movies, yeah. The TV movies with Michael Caine as, um, what's his face, Harry Palmer. They would have just made those back to back. and Back then, to back. You know, so that's probably what they did here. But I've never been able to bring myself to to do it. There might have been a sequel you could have done bringing the two of them back that might have worked. But I'm so glad there isn't. There, you know, I don't like, think there's is, no reason perfect. to. There's this no is reason perfect. to. Although I do love the titles of the Midnight Run sequels. You've got another Midnight Run, which is it's pretty sure. like another 48 hours. Like another 48 hours. Which that then one I think got... Gallo did right. What? I think Gallo did write another Midnight Run. I could be wrong. Oh, he wrote think, it. I think he did write it. I thought you meant he he, he did write. Like, oh. <laughs> as opposed to doing wrong. Oh, no, no. I never. I was Gallo did write. Uh, yeah. Then there's, uh, here's where we get into some, uh, some like puns. And this is what I like. Midnight Run for Your Life. No, no. And oh, no. Midnight Run Around. Nope. Well, there <laughs> it is. No? All right. Yep. There are no puns in Midnight Run. But but just just back really quickly to the Harry Palmer's, at least with the Ipcrest File sequels, one of them, Funeral in Bloom, was directed by Guy Hamilton, who did. Oh yeah, well those Bond. sequels, those that, sequels yeah. there they're, are great. They're they're, re- uh, they're really weird, and the th- the third one, Billion Dollar Brain, is directed yeah. by Ken Russell. Oh yeah, it's no, a, it's a deeply wild movie. We- it's a wa- it's oh, a yeah. weird movie. Yeah, really Clay good. Clay and Ryan oh. on their Screen Drafts Patreon did a whole episode about these movies that are, oh. is worth the Harry Palmer movies, which are worth it, worth a listen. Ipcris File is a unheralded classic, I think. Yeah, agree. And Fear and Berlin, Berlin is great. And Billion Dollar Brain is wacky. Billion Dollar Brain is my favorite James Bond movie of the <laughs> right. late 60s. What was nice about Midnight Run was it was successful, but not so successful that it had to have a sequel Yes. Yeah. To ruin it. Because I think it was a moderate success. Like it probably made its it, money back. Well, and, t- yeah, you know. I took a look and it international it did it did okay. Uh yeah. it, it it in the domestic it only grossed like seven or eight million more than its budget. This thing is no. a it's an expensive yeah. movie though. They are out sure. on location for this entire movie, blowing up helicopters, doing car chases, seeing with- chases. Scenes with forty extras as police cop as police cops as policemen (laughs) and cop cars and descending and like this is there's a they're going to Vegas there's a lot of Mm -hmm. shit going on in this movie and they had to shoot the river sequence in New in New Zealand because at the time of year they were shooting it was too it was I guess too cold cold. in the states but apparently it was still freezing there like a very very difficult shoot um so yeah yeah it 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 was I, I I. gather it was a movie that found its cult follow you know it's, it's following mainly in the in the vhs dvd i mean I was, yeah that's when i would have first seen it i would have first seen it on vhs probably well, when i was in high school you considering know. the tv stuff suddenly is six years later like yeah it, that does feel like it 
in the early 90s it became mm-hmm. kind of someone's like this is making money yeah. this is making money yeah. on t- video like okay yeah. we, it's time or to... hbo maybe it was yeah. people right. were loving it on hbo or but not enough money to try to get de niro and groden back for a proper <laughs> sequel <you know? laughs> enough to make some tv groden was Groden was making that making that beethoven money by yeah then. he was in beethoven quote, right after beethoven yeah. his quote probably oh my tripled. god yeah, he never really, Groden didn't have a lot of opportunities to be the front and center of a movie the way that he is here, which is which is too bad. Too, I think he's too, he's too specific. He's too specific. He's yeah. too odd. Like, yeah. I, I don't like it's it's yeah. But what his his big movies after this, he plays the like beset upon angry right. father. Like he's Clifford. Does Clifford. He does yeah. Beethoven where he's just like an exasperated dad. Yeah. Which is maybe those are his two. <laughs> <laughs> his, his two lanes he can either be Inside very exasperated you. or when he plays like a, a a normal guy he's just got that groden weirdness that makes him so fun and and odd but not like a good you know central holding the movie together kind of figure yeah yeah inside you there are two he's wolves too slippery he's too hard <laughs> to pin down. inside you there are two wolves exasperated dad and just deeply weird attracted to miss piggy <laughs> like that's, it's, just, it's, it's true like i mean even that's his me younger leading man stuff yeah. that's like heartbreak kid and um you know is the heavy in that crazy 70s king kong he's like the carl denham character in that but a weird um, he's a weird, very weird, weird yeah. in that movie yeah so i married an axe murderer it's, he didn't want his car Excuse commandeered me, which i love right. Yeah. right this is official police business i would like to commandeer this vehicle no. What do you mean, no? I happen to know for a fact that you don't have the right to commandeer my vehicle. Please, can I commandeer this vehicle? No. You're just, you're just not going to bend on this commandeering thing, are you? No. Would you mind not doing that? This bothers you? No, it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, yeah he'll pop up a lot. He popped up in Dave as the accountant that that, managed, that balances the budget. Like the, the small town accountant. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Balances the national budget in like a day. <laughs> you know, like you do. Um, but yeah, the, the the whole cast, top to bottom, is just. I mean, it, 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 all these amazing, as as we said, like the the everyone down to the to the waitresses and the and the clerks at the train offices to the the supporting cast, you know, Joe Pantoliano and um, uh, Yafet Kodo, the wonderful actors who play the, the Yafet Kodo's two two uh, partners, his, his underlings. Oh, those guys are fabulous. They're just yeah. great, and and as you say, they aren't doing jokes they're just giving (laughs) alonzo the information at the exact wrong time and just not quite delivering it right to the point where it annoys him you know it's like oh that must mean uh jack walsh has your identification sir yeah (laughs) you know he just looks at him like yeah i know asshole (laughs) (laughs) it's something that everyone has just said like 10 times thanks yeah it's so dry it's it's also just and and again they look like these are the guys doing that job they're costumed like the guys doing that job Mm -hmm. they're not in expensive suits they're in you know mid-level expensive suits yeah um and just trusting everybody in every level of getting this movie made trusting that a moment like that will be funny on its own, yeah. On the day, because yep. it does like like the quote from Yafakoto. This screenplay probably doesn't read if you're just sitting reading it. You an executive gets it and reads it, right? It's not making them laugh out loud. Like there, no. it is not obviously funny on the page. It is just mm-hmm. knowing that when you get these guys in there, you get breast directing it. Mm-hmm. It's this is going to be a funny movie. I think again today, uh, executives say where are the jokes. And mm-hmm. then that moment goes from, I think he has your identification, played very straight, and, and Yafakoto just relying totally on reaction based out of what you know of this character from this movie. It's just, you're just imagining what he's thinking, and you're mm-hmm. like, that's that's funny. And, and now and- it'd be, it'd be uh, I think he has your identification, it'd be like, oh, you think? And be like, well, yeah. And it would turn into this little, like, majory yeah. thing. Yep. And it just, it, this movie just lets it, lets the characters kind of 
the audience gets so much comedy out of just yeah again knowing what the character must be thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> reacting to something because they it, such rich characters even him saying i'm mosley like on a page right, right. Yeah. it's it's i'm mosley <laughs> but, but exactly it's exactly that it's the panic i'm mosley like like it's finally happening and you're like oh my god this and that's so the funny, funny and the and the great and the great funny for me the the funny even funnier part of that bit is the train valet guy because that guy knows something that this cop doesn't know and he's excited to tell him like you know his real name's mostly (laughs) (laughs) which is just a lovely little beat like this is guy and nothing exciting happens to him on this train and this really exciting thing happens he's like oh i get to tell him about the real the real identity of jack walsh (laughs) um you know and and yeah and that's that's throughout just all these little all these little and, and these little subplots that are just really rewarding every time you watch like um I can't remember the character's name, even though I've watched it a thousand times, but um, uh, um, Joe Pantaleone's sidekick played by Jack Kehoe. Um, Jerry. Oh, Jerry. Jerry. Jerry in the office, who's who's informing for the mob. Talk about a real person. Yeah, right? like, yeah. He's that guy. He's that poor son of a bitch who's yeah. answering phones <laughs> at the bail bonds and, and you know, let's go out and get donuts. He's great. Those He's guys shower one three times a year. You know, yeah. like they just, <laughs> they're, they're there 24 seven. Oh, you just, know, and yeah. everyone's smoking. That's the thing that really that, dates it for you. There might be more smoking in this oh movie than that any. And they've got the runner, the the running joke about the cigarettes. Actually, yes. that's the other. That might be the best joke in the movie. Watch out for this. <laughs> watch out for this guy, like, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> careful. Like, watch out yeah. for your cigarettes around this guy or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that Marvin has come away with from this entire experience <laughs> is how angry he is at Mosley for stealing his cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but great. there's so much smoking in this movie. It's so crazy. much smoking. I forgot you could do smoking at the smoking at the counter when you're oh god getting your fucking plane tickets. <laughs> smoking you, at the De Niro was lighting a cigarette at the beginning of fifty percent of the scenes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. And and uh and and the other thing in in terms, I I love, and this is as someone who wrote quite a bit of it for many years, I love when profanity is so well used in dialogue, mm. like the profanity. And I know it's a strange thing to say, but the use of son of a bitch and fuck and all of the great <laughs> curses available to all of us is, is it's, it's like poetry in this thing like some of the some of the line like some of the Dennis Farina lines what's my I, I wrote down my favorite um there's so many but oh there's some fucking thing that that oh that well that, that's one of them which is uh which is sydney sit down relax have a sandwich drink a glass of milk do some fucking thing will you that's great and then earlier on when he says you and that other dummy better start getting more personally involved in your work or i'm going to stab you through the heart with a fucking pencil fantastic just the perfect amount of beats it's like rhythm tap out on a desk which i used to do when i was writing scripts yeah it's 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 yeah it's the Mm -hmm. closest um one of my favorite comedians of all time the amazing billy Connolly. sure great scottish comedian has that rhythm where Mm. where he puts a fuck it's just perfect. Like the the profanity mm-hmm. is so well timed that exactly as you said, Jen, it is like it's the bang on the drum. The it's like, it's yep. bang. Mm-hmm. He just gets it every time. It's the perfect yeah. deployment, and that that's where it's like it's not overly profane, but it's very funny. Like with with a fucking pencil and like pencil. Dennis yeah. Farina, Boom. bang. It's just <laughs> then later on he says, "Sydney, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I'm gonna bury this phone in your head." <laughs> And with that, oh, that immaculate sh- sh- Chicago accent, and you get yeah. De Niro, and it's Philip Baker Hall too. Oh, Philip Baker Hall so in the perfect the prequel to Hard Eight. Yeah, uh, yeah, right here. Right. Which exactly. I think Paul Thomas Anderson has. I don't think he said like, "Oh yeah, it's a pre," but he has. I think kind of been like, "Yeah, you got me." Yeah. it's yeah. Sydney. Is Sydney oh, he absolutely said from, Sydney's yeah. name for Sydney. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is fantastic i absolutely love this uh yeah terrific profanity and and then you get de De niro with his own patented brand of new New york you know inserting fuck in every six word kind of thing yeah (laughs) uh but i love there's a couple of good my favorite profanity has always been someone shouting god damn it and there's a couple of good ones of that Uh there too john ashton has a good like just like god damn it like i just 
There's, there's a rhythm to that. Great right. in this movie. When, when he's John, so great. When John Ashton is insulting the cops while he's um, handcuffed to the car is my favorite. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes, the staging, everything about it. Yeah. I'm like, a guy who is clearly needing help and just abusing the living daylights <laughs> out of them. I'm like, I, I can't get enough. I haven't, I'm afraid now, Jen, Brian and Clay to watch this movie at night when I want to go to sleep because mm-hmm. it's the, my worst nightmare because I'm having so much fun being immersed in it that I think, oh, just the score will make me, you know, like relax and maybe, you know, just- Oh, no, you, you start this movie- Wait, are you insane? Yeah. Why no. would you think yeah. this, this score would make you relax? This no, score makes you fucking like run yeah. around and- yeah. No, but it, it's so Backflips. comforting. It's so comforting, but then- you go, It is oh, comforting, but you, but you, you, you can't you fall asleep. You'll watch the no, movie. No, I watch yeah. the God You start grooving when this score comes on. Every time. The score is another- yeah. yeah, the score is another like. MVP for sure. Elfman's score, like it's in, in terms of it's so good, punching those comedic beats, like maybe making a beat, doing it, doing what a good score in a comedy should do, where sometimes it informs you this is supposed to be funny or not. Like it's yeah. it's so well used, and it's such an unusual score from him. I mean, it's so different. It doesn't from... sound me. Yeah, There's I mean, once he started doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Once he started, yeah. Once he started doing superhero movies, the uh, the, uh, the Elfman stuff kind of his yeah. style sort of. Ca- there's that style, and then there's the, the, and then there's the Burton Elfman thing with the la 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 la. Yeah, that I love. I but love. Yeah. what I love about the score, and what was interesting about hiring Elfman, who was a pop musician, to yes. like mm-hmm. do the, do the score, and it's a little bit like you know they were having you know Tangerine Dream and people goblin do scores at this time. Is it 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 feels like the music. It feels like the guy playing the music is kind of a character in the he you're like listening 100%. to him watch the movie and he's playing Absolutely. his thing and it's not different pieces in different for different moods or different it is it feels like one consistent this guy's just playing and then it gets sad and he's like like just it, it takes it you know it goes like a um minor you know it just yeah. it's and the little it, piano it, riff all, all the yeah. same style yeah. all the same piece and just it goes up when the movie goes up and it goes down when the movie goes down and uh i would when he does his concerts does he play midnight run i don't know I if i went to one of his concerts i don't know and i know he there tours. is a song there's a song with lyrics oh yeah in the yeah there's a song with lyrics and that plays at like the end it, it the never credits. plays in the movie they never made plays it for, in the movie. they made it for the end credits and they didn't use it and, and it's they, on it you can get it on i think it's on like the special edition soundtrack mm-hmm. this is where alan seppenwall our friend and i disagree i i think the song i think it was a very very smart choice not to not use the lyrics i don't want to know the lyrics um Alan quite likes the song, but Why are um, you so unpopular with the Chicago police? Department? Well, it's only, no. it's just, I just, I just, it doesn't need lyrics. I love what you said, Clay. You're right. It's like maybe more than any movie I can think of. It's like somebody, it's like the score is watching the movie with you and reacting. It's the yeah. narrator. It's so like, cool. it's a Yeah, it's like a narrator. It's yeah, so it's interesting. Great. Yeah, like John Lurie's Get Shorty score, another Farina mm. or um, yes. Mark Mothersbaugh's uh, stuff. For, yes. uh, Wes Anderson. for Wes Anderson uh-huh. yeah. I think that's yeah. a great that's a great comp yeah where you feel yeah like a friend is there watching it with yeah. you and kind of underlying the emotion because like as again that scene at the house with the little girl the scoring that little that little that's that sort of mournful little piano trill when she's standing there uh in front of the house that's another thing that this movie doesn't get enough credit for it's a beautifully composed beautifully shot movie like mm-hmm. like I, I i just watched the shout factory 4k they just put out beautiful and i don't have you Ooh, seen it yeah yeah it, I've not it, seen it the 4K really yet, drives well. home just how beautifully photographed this thing is and what purposeful and brilliant art direction there is you know you sort of take for granted an 80s comedy that's on the road using real locations those are as art directed as any movie yes and right. just those shots of the that, that wonderful not now. shot not that now Brian. Shot, not now no not now, <laughs> not now. but back then um that wonderful uh, shot establishing the bail bonds row that kind mm. of um, pans mm. down from the yeah. drops drifts down and you see all the neon signs, bail bonds, bail bonds. And then you pick up Jack, you know, coming in. Um, and then they go to grand gorgeous. central market, which yeah. I just like, he's like, Oh yeah. Quick. It's like for a quick exposition scene, let's go fucking to grand central market and have yeah. to, and just the production headache that would go into that when nowadays they would be like this is a one-page scene of exposition why can't we just tack it onto the 
to the same scene, scene in the office. Like it, it, it breaks up the sequence. It makes mm-hmm. it feel less like a, okay, this is an exposition scene, even though it is a continuing exposition scene, mm-hmm. you put it somewhere where there's hustle and bustle and things to look at. And that's a great spot there. Yeah. Fantastic. Perched, perched at that corner at Grand Central Market with just like rows of neon signs and shoppers and things milling around. And it's like, you don't great. need to do it. But it's visually interesting. It re-energizes that sequence of exposition, and mm-hmm. it 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 creates a, like a sense of place. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's the kind of thing where you look at it as a line item on on a budget, and you're like, it's a company move. We have to like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, probably shoot this at three in the morning. Got to bring in extras. We got to do all this stuff, and it's a huge space. We're going to light it and all. And then that's the thing they just used to do. Yeah, they didn't yeah. used to balk at that. They'd be like, "Oh, this is what making movies is." Right. And now right. you're absolutely right, and it also pays off narratively because later on, when he finds out the phone, Joey Pants has to run back. Get over to the Chinese yeah. restaurant. Yeah. You can get there quick. They won't be able to run a trace. So yeah, it establishes just sort of the world these guys are in, and just the, and, and throughout the movie, just the the little the little back the little um uh, uh, nothing Indian reservation town with the plane the. <laughs> the, the house where his wife and and the new police captain live and 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 the daughter like every little location that they find themselves in um is just is just so beautifully uh, presented and there's a lot of really kind of a lot of really gorgeous gorgeously composed shots throughout that you kind of just miss when you should miss because yeah. you're along for the ride like nothing about nothing about this movie draws attention to itself yeah which is mm-hmm. why it's so good why and why it works and it's why it works. And yeah. it's probably why I don't I don't know if I would call it an underrated movie because I think it's got a real following and people love it, but mm. but it um it doesn't it's necessarily underseen. Yeah, yeah, maybe by yeah. by the current by people my age and young this generation, like the mm. middle to the like younger millennials probably don't even know about it. I'm sure I'm sure Gen Z has no idea what this movie is. They've never yeah. heard about they've never heard of it, they have no interest in it. But I love it. it's it is a great it's that's so great about 80s movies is it's just this middle point between the 70s and like this is the middle mm. point between mm-hmm. Scarecrow and Bad Boys. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, it right. is <laughs> it's got just enough of that 70s grit and realism and whatever to really feel grounded and make you really, really invested. And then it's 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 on its way. It's got the 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 pace is is snappier mm-hmm. uh it's got the it's good it's not like this movie this this movie has a helicopter exploding like it's got yeah. it is taking these kind of this like 70s sensibility with and with actors who aren't comedians at some point mm-hmm. no actor who isn't a stand-up or an snl cast member was allowed to be the, like in a, <laughs> in a, a comedy in a com- yeah um yeah that's true these are these are guys who are actors even groden i always forget i was like groden was like a comedian no he's yeah, just he's an actor like, classically an trained actor. actor he's a stage actor yeah he was an actor same thing with like gene wilder not a comedian yep. just like an actor um yeah this is the midpoint between the 70s version of this which would have had love 70s movies would have had sequences that yeah what it would have been little, scarecrow which is like me- oh god been scarecrow a little <laughs> slow a little meandering a little bit ponderous and great for what it is but not thrilling no you you pump up the like pace of the edit you pump up how many scenes there are how many locations you blow up a plane you get some action you get some you know you know car chases and then you get then this is on the way to bay into what we have now which i love as well but i think this is such a great this is probably my favorite version of the the timeline of this kind of movie. I think this is where it was at its at its finest. And also, somehow, it's an '80s movie that has all these elements that manages to not be racist or misogynist. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's no, like it's it, incredible. It, in it's that a miracle. Regard. Yeah. It's, it's got. It really isn't. There's no. It's actually it's a very diverse cast too. Yeah. Uh, for for its time, but you know, there's no. And like I'm, I'm not a prude about this stuff. But like a lot of the other movies we reference, like Forty Eight Hours or Beverly Hills Cop or whatever, like there's stuff that there's you know elements. doesn't. Yeah. Well, those those movies. Nothing in this that doesn't play. There's nothing in this that doesn't play now. To be fair, those movies now. are race is kind of part of. The, it's about race. Well, sure. Yeah. And I, and I love both of those driver. movies. I love Forty Eight um, Hours. You know, and it makes it makes sense. But, but even like a, I don't remember. I mean, I love Lethal Weapon. I can't remember. If, and, oh, sure, homophobia. Yeah, yeah like, there's yeah. none of that in this. Well, so, no. like this one, you're expecting Farina to say to say a word that something. he doesn't say, like even yeah. in passing. Right. But there's yeah, but he doesn't. There's, he does nope. nothing. He doesn't. It's it's. Uh, but it's still got a hard edge. 
you know, it still feels like these, as you say, these characters feel authentic and the violence while not R rated feels like, you know, proper violence. And did you know Marvin was supposed to die? Oh, really? Yeah. I forgot to mention that earlier. Marvin in the scene where Marvin shows the the mobsters. Yeah. They're going to kill him. thing. They were supposed to blow his brains out. And at some point during shooting, and I wish I, I wish I could, there's a lot of really good, uh, if for all you listening who are fans of this movie, if you don't have the shout, the Shout Factory DVD or the Blu-ray, it's got a lot of great extra features. It's got fairly recent interviews with pretty much everybody involved. Um, not Groden, but um, well, maybe there, I don't remember. But anyway, somebody, I think it's Gallo who says that they were shooting the movie. And I don't remember if it was, I, I wish I could remember, somebody involved with the production, whether it be Ashton or Brest or Gallo, one of them was like, we can't kill Marvin. Yeah. So if we kill him, it the the movie's a bummer. It's it a bummer. will not. It won't yeah. work. They'll just be upset. Like I think they were noticing. I think they were noticing how good and how endearing he is, even though he's such a piece of shit. It was all. They also weren't sure how to end the movie. Mm. Okay. That last scene that Clay referenced that is so brilliant came as they were shooting. It was. It was like we. How do we wrap this up? And not killing Marvin unlocked it. Yeah. Yep. Because he him showing up is what right. ratchets up mm-hmm. the ending. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm so glad they didn't do that because it wouldn't. It, whoever made that determination was absolutely right. It was just wrong for this, you know, for the for the tone they'd set. You know, well, that's yeah. so funny. Where he, he has he has the picture of him with the name of the hotel and the towels. <laughs> he, he's so pleased. He's so pleased with himself. <laughs> This has been Midnight Run-Through with Blake Howard and Jen Johans. We'll be back next week with another episode, but until then... See you in the next life. See you in the next life.